Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Welcome to episode five of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I am so glad you're here and we have a lot to talk about. We have a letter today from a mom of a child who's in a larger body and the mom also experienced being a fat child and all the teasing and taunting that came with it. Today, she's writing to food because she does not want her daughter to experience the same thing. So Does this mom put her on a diet, take her to the gym? Does she tell her daughter she's not fat when really she is in a larger body? Lots and lots of questions, and I'm going to do my best to help this mom out. And I can't wait to hear what you think about it. So let's dive in. Dear Food, can I keep my daughter from experiencing the pain that I have? I am overweight and have been as a child. I was the fat kid at my school, so I was teased constantly. My mom put me on a diet when I was 13, after I begged her to. She took me with her to Weight Watchers. I remember when, at the first few weigh-ins, seeing her proud face. Unfortunately, I was never able to keep the weight off for long. 
I have struggled with my weight my whole life, and now my eight-year-old daughter seems to be starting to struggle too. She is shaped just like me. And she told me today, while sobbing, that kids were making fun of her on the bus, calling her fat. She asked me if she was, and I just grabbed her, looked her straight in the eye and said, no, you're beautiful. We hugged and cried together. I don't know if I did the right thing. One thing I know is I don't want her to go through what I went through. Help me protect her. What kind of diet should I put her on? Should I take her to the gym? Thank you for any insight. Sincerely, Fat Like Me. Thank you, Fat Like Me, for your letter and for bringing this very important topic to our attention. I hope you know that there are many families in your shoes. There are so many people that I speak with that are struggling with the best way to raise their fat daughter or son. And sometimes you may get conflicting information and have a lot of people giving you advice. Plus, I know our our world is not necessarily the kindest to people who are in fat bodies. So I want to give you some some insight from working in the field for a while and also insight from my training in food behavior. So the first five or six years as a dietitian, I did work with fat children and I was doing a lot of um, interventions with families based on physician referrals. And one of the areas I worked most in was with children with type 2 diabetes. I had such a lovely time working with these families, such um, caring families, and they were stressed to the bejesus, I tell you, because it was so hard to try to juggle raising a child, which I feel like is already tough enough, but also to try to get them to lose weight. And I do regret it now, but one of my jobs at the time was to put these children on diets. I spoke about in episode zero, the one that's... um, titled, A Concerned Dietitian Writes a Letter to Food. I speak about my experiences as a dietitian early on and what led me to using a more non-diet, weight-neutral approach. And what I basically found is that as we push diets more and more, what happened is that kids, and this also happened to adults too, they either gained the weight back or they just didn't come back anymore. So you know, over some years, I basically started to shift into what if maybe people didn't go on diets, but rather just focus on health today. And what if people actually could be health healthy, excuse me, at the size that they're at? And what if their body is just supposed to be fat? So something that I started to come up, come up against as I was shifting to this different approach was this argument that, well, what about all these children with type 2 diabetes? And, and again, I had first-hand knowledge of all these children. And yes, uh, research is showing that there's 12 in 100,000 children affected by type 2 diabetes. And a lot of people who are against the approach I use will say, you know, this rise in type 2 diabetes is so much more important and it's so much bigger than the amount of people with eating disorders because eating disorders are just so very rare. And I have an interesting statistic and I can't wait for you to see it in the show notes. I do have links to this research that 
in the same uh, sample size in 100,000 children, there are 2,900 incidences of eating disorders. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness, and there are more of them than children with type 2 diabetes. So one thing we do know is that the greatest predictor of an eating disorder for an adolescent is experience with dieting. So diets are not the only cause of an eating disorder, but they are a necessary ingredient for them. So I will never put a person on a diet again. And I highly discourage you, fat like me, for putting your uh, your daughter on a diet as well. So as I talk a little bit more today, you'll get a bigger picture on why I am so um, adamant on this. And something else to just throw in this case for the non-diet approach for your your daughter is that there have always been fat children. Yes, I know people bring up the rate of increase. And I also want to point out though, that there always have been fat children and there always have been fat adults. And we cannot get rid of every fat body, nor would I want to, because I think our world is more beautiful the more diverse it is. So I bring this up because we don't know by looking at someone if they have the genetics for a larger body. We just can't know that by looking at them. Yet, Fat Like Me, you gave us some really important information. You told us that you've always been, quote unquote, overweight and have struggled with your weight since you were little. And a little side note, I don't usually use the word overweight. I kind of find myself always wanting to say over what. Um, You'll hear me say words to describe bodies more like fat or large. And I probably tend to mostly say large in a general, uh, to a general audience, but um, I also use the word fat and fat is not necessarily a bad word. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the possibility to change how we think about the word fat. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. So I do want to just point out though, like I said, mom, that you were in a larger body your whole life. You always have been. So there's a really high likelihood that your daughter also is going to have a fat body. And, you know, I'm a mother. I want to protect my children. And I hear you want to protect your daughter. You love her so much. And I can tell you're such a great mother. Yet we cannot protect our children from everything. We cannot protect our children from grief, loss, failure. We cannot protect them from all the evils in the world. and if your daughter is going to be living in a fat body for her life, I think one of the best things you can do is teach her how to have body confidence, body respect, and to respect other bodies and to navigate this world in a way that protects herself. So with this letter, Fat Like Me, I also am thinking about, it's not just this simple kind of question that you're asking to help with your daughter. I know you're concerned about her, but I also am noticing that there's concerns for yourself. You know, that I I hear that you're still struggling with your body image and your weight, and there doesn't appear to be an acceptance of your weight. So I wish, I just wish so much that your mother many years ago didn't take you to Weight Watchers. It sounds like she didn't really want to, that you begged and pleaded. And I can certainly appreciate 
a child begging and pleading and sometimes you just throw up your hands you're like okay I give up I give in and you know the something that going to weight watchers or to going to any diet program did is it it set up this kind of conditional body acceptance so when your daughter came to you and asked if she was fat and said basically that she doesn't like it there's really important things that you and anyone else who's in the same situation, and I know there are many of you listening who are experiencing the same thing, there are some really important things you can do. One is you can let your child communicate this to you and don't judge it or and don't argue with them. And I think jumping into, okay, yeah, let's go to the gym um, or jumping into, let's go on a diet together. Those are two things that I hear probably as the majority um solutions that people think that they're finding when when their fat child comes to them wanting to lose weight is, well, let's do this together. And I really discourage that because as a parent, our job, we have many, <laughs> but as a parent, one of our most important jobs is to convey unconditional acceptance and love to our children. And I know, I know fat like me, I know you love your daughter unconditionally. And by telling her, yes, let's go on a diet together or let's go to the gym together to try to lose weight. I do feel that is setting up a conditional acceptance and giving a message of, no, I don't accept you as you are today. And I have come to this kind of conclusion because of the hundreds of people I've worked with who've experienced eating disorders and negative body image and just complicated relationships with food so many people started with this conversation. So if you experience this, I just highly encourage you to not jump into the, let's try to fix your body. Instead saying, I love you no matter what. I I love you no matter how your body is shaped. Making sure you communicate that in every way, shape or form is something that's just a really loving thing to teach them. And And I also wanna make a note about something else. You mentioned that your daughter asked if she was fat and when you responded, it was more of like, no, you're beautiful. And I think that is also something that I hear many parents doing. And I also hear it just listening to friends or um, other grownups talking about their body. You know, if someone says, oh, I, I, I look so fat today, their friend will say, oh, no, 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 you look great. It's almost like fat and looking great or being beautiful can't happen together. I happen to know a lot of very beautiful people who are fat. And I also think it's important to not always value beauty. So I think, you know, telling someone they're beautiful, especially as a parent, I know it is just deeper than some kind of surface beauty. Yet it sounds like your daughter is in a larger body. And if she's wanting to know from you, is she fat? What if you did say, yes, yes, you are fat? You know, what would that be like? And this is something that I've read about um, from someone I talk about all the time on this podcast. Her name is Ellen Satter. She's a dietitian and therapist out of Wisconsin. And in one of her books, it's called Helping Without Harming, which I would highly recommend to any mother or father struggling with raising a child in a fat body. Such a wonderful book. And it's definitely going on our, it's definitely going to go in our food piece syllabus. If you're new to the the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of resources to help anyone to 
form a healthier relationship with food and have a more direct kind of path to food peace. So I'm going to go ahead and put that book on there too. But anyway, Ellen Satter, she teaches families to do just that, to just say, yes, you are fat. And with that being said, to also make sure that the family culture uses the word fat in a very neutral way. If that hasn't happened yet, start today. What I'm saying is that instead of teaching fat is bad or fat is ugly or fat can't be beautiful, that fat is just neutral. There are short people, tall people. We have people of every different color and we have skinny people, fat people, and every size in between. Those are just descriptors. And I appreciate the connotation is quite different in our society right now. But what if we change that? Because again, there's always going to be fat bodies. No matter what we do, there's always going to be people in fat bodies. And do they really deserve less? Do they deserve less um, rights, respect? Um, Of course not. It doesn't matter how a person's body got to be in a larger body. Everyone deserves the same respect. So teaching that to our children by how we talk about ourselves, how we talk about others, and then also how we use the word fat. And it is how I am choosing to raise my children. And as they're getting older, one of my um, one of my children is in second grade, and you know she is going to school and hearing people use the word fat in a, in a very negative way. And so there's lots of questions about that, but I'm teaching her that in our world, it's something that is judged negatively, but it shouldn't be. And in our family, that word is not a bad word. And anybody who's put down from it for it is being bullied. And, you know, it's something that I would love to change in our world. And I hope my children join me with that. So, so far they have. So let's let's move on. And Fat Like Me, you did ask me how to feed your child. And I believe you asked, what kind of diet would I recommend? Or should you take her to the gym? And I, I let's start with the food. So something that is really handy for you is not a diet, because remember, uh, putting a child um, on a diet is the greatest predictor for an eating disorder experience. And also, the number of diets a person goes on also can increase the likelihood that they will gain weight instead of lose weight. So it sounds like those are two things that, you know, are not going to be favorable for right now. So what I would encourage you to do is instead use some of the wisdom that Ellen Satter has taught us. Again, the woman I mentioned earlier, who's a dietitian and therapist, she talks about in um, a lot of her books, this division of food responsibility. And it is totally the way I survive rising, raising my children. And I highly encourage you to check it out and experiment with it. And it's really simple, but I know, I know it's not always easy, but here it is. So the division of food responsibility says that a parent is in charge of the eating times, the choices at meals and snacks, and the eating environment. And the child is in charge of how much to eat, if at all. So what that means is that a parent gets to decide, uh, excuse me, a parent gets to decide what times the child eats and, you know, setting up meal and snack times on a routine basis, I think is really important for every child, especially a child in a larger body. And I have some, I have some reasons, but namely because as um, children start to 
appreciate the cultural views on fat bodies, many children will start to do something called eating for show. And you know, if a person feels ashamed of being in a fat body, if they can show people that they are trying to eat less, it can often feel a little bit more acceptable. So um, a child in a fat body may skip lunch at school or they may just eat a salad, but then they're starving. Um, they're a child or adolescent and their body is going through massive growth spurts and and shifts and changes. And so um, hunger is gonna hit even harder than it does to we adults. And so what can happen then is if they don't have regular meals and snack time set up at home, that that can lead many people to start to binge because every binge starts with not eating enough earlier. So if someone's eating for show, what inevitably can happen is like maybe skipping lunch, going home from school, and then just totally going through the pantry because they were starving. And for many people that does start a binge starve kind of cycle because if someone already is feeling ashamed of their weight and binges, then the thing they're going to want to do next is try to not eat as much next time. And so the cycle just kind of continues. So as a parent offering very predictable eating times and um, making sure they're known is just so important. And again, I say this for any child, but especially for children who are in larger bodies. So um, another part of the division of responsibility is that as a parent, you're in charge of the eating choices. So there are a lot of people who don't agree with this division of responsibility because of misconceptions. And one of them is that if we let children decide what they want to eat, they're always just going to pick food that doesn't have any nutritional value. Of course, there's lots of research, namely by Leanne Birch out of Pennsylvania, who've been able to show that that's not the case. Yet with a division of food responsibility, it's not saying that. It's saying as a parent, you choose the choices. And as a parent, we get to decide, you know, do we want to offer fruit or cookies or pepperoni or spaghetti? What do we want to offer? It's our decision. And we make the choices known and we just stick with it. And of course, as children, sometimes they're going to want something different and that's normal. But what we just say in response to that is that's just not a choice right now. And if you could be a fly in my house watching me at the kitchen table, you would hear me say that probably about 20 25 times a day. So it's something that is like a broken record in my house. It's just not a choice right now. And I feel like it's a very neutral and also like a boundary. You know, no, as the parent, I decide what the choices are, but you decide what you're going to eat from what I, I offer. So again, it's not a diet. It's really just setting boundaries for your child. And um, so the, the other thing to keep in mind with this division of food responsibility is how to also offer things like fun foods. And I am very particular calling things like Twinkies, potato chips, donuts, pastries, um, I don't know, foods that probably have more sugar, salt, fat, foods that are fun. <laughs> I call them that instead of junk food or bad food. And it's not just because of semantics. I feel like those are foods that are not necessarily bad. I, I think the only bad foods are foods that we steal. Um, so if you don't pay for it, then it is a bad food. Or if it is spoiled, those are the only bad foods in my book. So, and I also think calling a food junk food is just, I think it's it's rude. You know, it's um, a food can provide us energy. And if someone is 
is eating food that you would call junk. Yeah, I just I just think that's a very tacky kind of thing to say to someone. It's a, a judgment that is not necessarily warranted. So I digress. But so with these fun foods, again, I would say this for any child, raising any child, but especially raising a child who's in a fat body, is to make sure that you also offer fun foods with some frequency. I would not remove all sugar from the home. I would not remove all fun food. I would not take away all the fat. Um, Those are all things that will backfire. And what I have seen, again, working with hundreds of people who have experienced eating disorders is that when they were growing up, so many people who were young in a fat body and put on diets, that's the thing that their family did. And so what that led to is binging and then lots and lots of shame for enjoying and not being able to stop eating these fun foods. So as a parent, we can teach kids moderation. And moderation is a very abstract type of concept. It's not something that most people can really understand until they're probably about 13 or 14. And it's something though that we can model to our our children and we can do that through the choices we offer. So I do encourage you once or twice a week to offer cookies or something kind of sweet, fun um, as an after school snack or just afternoon snack and let your daughter have as much as her tummy needs. And at first you may notice, especially if these are foods that were really limited or um, if these were foods that were put down or called bad and you know, you may notice at first that your daughter may eat a tremendous amount of of the food, but over time, as there's more um, unconditional permission to enjoy these foods, um, the amount will go down, and it won't just it just won't be as exciting. So, I do think it's important though to teach them, you know, through once or twice a week having those in a snack time, and that's why you know if it's at a snack time, it's not really interfering with um, other choices like at at dinner. And um, it just helps them to not feel as excited about them and also to feel permission to enjoy any type of food and then avoid binging. So the other side of that too, um, just to throw in there is I often recommend too at um, meals a couple of times a week, having sides that are really fun, like potato chips. And again, just kind of the same thing, helping kids to experience moderation, balance, and variety, because those are the three things that are the pillar to healthy eating, moderation, balance, and variety. So before we get to food's letter to you, I want to bring up one last thing, and that's the exercise component. I know you are wondering if you should bring your daughter to the gym. And it's a really hard thing for me to answer because I personally don't enjoy gyms. So I don't take my children to the gym. My family, that's just not how we um, find pleasure in moving our body. Yet you may like the gym. It may be something that you enjoy. It may be something as a family that you get a lot of, um, you just get a lot out of. And so if that's the case, then yeah, but I wouldn't make it something that she has to do to burn off calories or to lose weight. And I would make sure that it's appropriate and fun. I'm totally against no pain, no gain and burning off calories that we eat. I think that sets up more disordered eating. And instead, I would encourage you to have a dialogue with everyone in your family. Like, what are things that you guys want to do? You know, maybe you all like hiking or going on a bike ride, 
gardening or doing some kind of martial arts or dancing. It really is just helping your daughter to find activities that she finds pleasurable is one of the greatest gifts you can give her. Because if someone has access to movement that makes their body feel empowered, it is going to make their body image so much stronger. And remember what I said earlier, raising a fat child, what I would highly encourage you to do is to help them to learn how to respect their body and accept their body in a world that doesn't. And so teaching your child to connect with that pleasurable activity is just going to help them to really respect the, the body that they have that's holding on to their soul and helping them move through life. So I hope you have found this helpful and I cannot wait to hear what food has to say and food has written you back fat like me. So thank you again for writing and do take care. Dear fat like me, please do not put your child on a diet. Rather, Help her to stay connected to hunger and fullness by using the division of food responsibility. Setting up the food environment with this will help her to struggle less because she will learn to accept her body unconditionally. You deserve that body piece too. Be kind to yourself and know you are enough just as you are today. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care.